Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. gentlemen boys and girls it's a wrestling classic just near back for the twc show live on ruckus avenue radio every week also on the free dash radio app on ruckusavenueradio.com in the archives if you are looking for old episodes i am sorry for the wait but we are back i am by myself this week we have so much to talk about and i apologize um i'm sorry that the shows have been late and we've been missing episodes it's been a wild summer for me so far at two weddings i went to calgary this past week i had a really bad toothache i had to help my sister out with a baby i had to help my brother out with a rental property and then also dropped him off at the airport this morning with his baby and wife pulled an all-nighter learned about woodstock 99 and a little bit about Woodstock 69. There's some really cool Woodstock documentaries. I don't know if you guys know a lot about Woodstock or about those music festivals or um, Mr. Lang. I think it was Stephen Lang. Let me double check. But Woodstock 99 was a little fucking wild. Woodstock 99 was uh, Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock, DMX. Uh, they had three women performers. They had Jewel and Alanis Morissette. And I believe Sheryl Crow, but they had corn there, they had red hot chili peppers, and I've never really heard about it till like this past week. Like I've always known about Woodstock 69 and Jimi Hendrix and you know the whole peace movement and them being in New York for all of that and how that was like you know portrayed as this great beautiful thing of people coming together against the Vietnam War. Uh, I also learned that that wasn't exactly like that either. There was deaths and uh, arguments over pricing over food or the lack of supplies. And it was really hot, but it's been so glamorized. And Woodstock 69, man, like I wish we could have something like that again. And they tried it again in um, 1999. And uh, let me see, at the the, uh, Griffiths Air Force Base in Rome, New York. It was uh, put together by, let me see here, why can't I find, 
Isn't that crazy when, like, you're trying to find something really quick and then, like, it's like I literally just want to know the guy's name. It was Lang or something. Michael Lang. So I think I was right in the first place. But Michael Lang, some dude named John who's a promoter. They had it on MTV. But, like, if you think about the late 90s, that was it, though. It was so anti-culture, anti-wholesomeness. I look at the Attitude Era in the WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin, DX, women flashing their titties at Triple H and Shawn Michaels, or middle fingers and chugging beer, and The Godfather, and Val Venus was on television, and, you know, fucking um, Jerry Springer was, like, the hottest show on TV, and Maury, who was the father, and... You know, it was, it was very counterculture in, in 1999, the world. Um, people were fed up at the end of the 90s. It started off as all colorful and wholesome. And by 99, it was fucking just, you know, people tried fighting for causes. You had Nirvana and all these people trying to use their music for positive things. But by the end, it was like literally, and they were also at Woodstock 99, Rage Against the Machine. But um, what are we talking about? This is the wrestling show, and I'm so behind. I'm talking about Woodstock 99. Um, but for those of you that don't know, like I love music just as much as I love professional wrestling, and I love everything entertainment, and I just love the idea of getting people to react and feel emotions and feel things. And um, that's why I'm the baddest motherfucker. Don't fool me for a sucker. I'm the best in the world. Just go ask your girl. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. That being said, though, that being said, now that I just randomly wrapped a bar for no fucking reason, um, how cool is it? Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm the biggest hip-hop head or, like, I know anything that happened in hip-hop in, like, the last 10 years. But, like, when I was younger, I was quite a hip-hop head. Like, I grew up in Pac and NWA and Ice Cube and Lil Wayne and Kid Cudi and Kanye West and Jay-Z and, you know, early Nicki Minaj and Lil' Kim and Mary J. Blige and Biggie and everybody, Mace, like, Diddy. Like, I grew up on that shit. Like, I love hip-hop. You know, um, Young Jeezy and your boy. <laughs> and uh, um, how cool is it that we got uh, a Young Money reunion at the OVO Fest? You had Lil Wayne, Drake, and Nicki Minaj on stage together. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was the greatest performance ever, but it was just cool to see them back together again, the three of them. I don't think I remember myself personally, and I'm sure others that you know stayed in touch with the hip-hop scene are going to correct me or say, no, that happened on this date and that. But for me, I think the last time I remember seeing, seeing what am I, Duffy Rhodes now? The last time I remember seeing the three of them together was... Um, and like 2014 for me, because I kind of fell off of the hip hop scene. Like you know, uh, the entire like Migos era and mumble rap, and when all these other guys came around, like Little Yachty and Juice World and stuff. Like I wasn't really on it right away. Gunna and the babies and the little babies. Like I missed that whole era beginning. But for me, Little Wayne was the man, dude. In 2000, I think 10 or 11, I went to his concerts. Probably one of my favorite concerts I've been to. Uh, Nikki was popping off in those years. Drake was doing his thing, and you know, um, the people that I listened to in those years when they dropped new stuff, whether it was The Game or Fifty or Little Wayne or Drake or Nikki or Cuddy or Kanye, like I would still always listen to their stuff because they're the people that I knew. And uh, you know, to see the uh, the like the, the evolution of Drake and and Nikki, and then how Little Wayne kind of put them on at first, and to see the three of them back together was cool and. To see them, uh, 
you know, perform some of their classics together was fucking dope. So that was cool, man. I, I want to go to an OVO Fest one of these years. Hell, I want to go to the weekend concert coming up on August 23rd. Like, all the videos, the tour, everything I'm seeing, shout to Abel and Cash. Uh, they both used to follow the wrestling classic for many years, especially. Uh, I think Cash still follows uh, the weekend unfollowed when he decided that he only wanted to follow four people. But he was a big supporter of the page for years. Um, I've had a lot of random conversations with them. I remember being at the hospital when uh, my mom was there and watching the Raptors win the finals, the NBA finals, at the hospital waiting room. And I DM the weekend, and he responded, and we celebrated the Raptors winning the NBA finals, NBA championships, because it was like for all of Canada. That's why the whole thing was we the North and stuff, because we have one Canadian basketball team in the NBA. So national, right? And um, I guess that would be international. I don't fucking know. But uh, it was it was fucking cool, man. He's always been super cool when he, when he did. Um, used to, uh, you know, we used to converse and had our conversations in the DMs and stuff. I went to his concert a few years back. I think it was like 2017 now. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was. And uh, shout out to Cash for hooking up tickets that time around. And it was a, it was a fun time. He's he's a hell of a performer, a hell of an artist. But why are we talking about music still? We literally just spent the first ten minutes of the TFC show talking about music, and there's so much to catch up on because we are officially in the Triple H era. Triple H is the head of creative, and the the it's like. The impact is already being felt. Like, come on. Like, what the fuck happened last week? But we got to go all the way back to the last weekend, and then we'll catch up to where we are today. It is Monday, August 8th. It's an hour before Monday Night Raw, so we won't be talking about tonight's Monday Night Raw. But we're going to talk about last week's Raw, last week's SmackDown, and last week's SummerSlam. But before we get into all that, and we also got to talk about AEW because AEW is kind of doing their thing too. Um, before we get into all that, can I just really quickly say that how funny is it that Mercedes Bernardo, aka Salsa Banks, aka Sasha Banks, the boss, the blueprint, the goat, the standard, the Mandalorian, DDTing. Sasha Banks uh, made her first real, like, outside of WWE appearance, along with The Glow herself, Trinity Fatu, aka Naomi. They were at C2E2 this past weekend. Huge shout out to my boy Jamari, former guest co-host here on the TWC show, uh, one of the moderators and directors of my Discord. Guys, if you aren't already, make sure you click the link in my bio, join the Discord, and let me know if it's expired, because I'll send you another link. Um, shout out to Jamari. He actually went to C2E2 this past weekend in Chicago, one of the Comic-Con sort of events. Uh, he represented the Wrestling Classic. He uh, linked up with CM Punk and a bunch of other people that have got us a bunch of cool content. We'll probably be posting something on the page sooner than later, but... Uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi made their first outside of WWE appearance at C2E2. And, you know, fans were excited. They missed their first day. It made everybody start questioning if they were actually going to show up to this signing and appearance. But they did for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, they both looked amazing. They looked happy. I'm happy they're happy. 
Uh, Naomi's a fucking baddie, always has been one of the most underappreciated. I don't give a fuck if she's like a former two-time women's champion. She won the belt at WrestleMania. She's had her moments. I will always think there's a part of, um, not a part, there's like this thing about Naomi that's just underappreciated. Like she has always been one of the most athletic, talented women in that division. And I just feel like, you know, with she was overshadowed by the NXT girls coming up, the Bella Twins, the Four Horse Women. Like, she's always been there, but kind of been surpassed by other women that came up after her. They got bigger pushes than her, and you know we've we've seen Naomi strive and be the champion and make the Glow title, and you know she was popular in Total Divas, and we've always been kind of waiting for like that Naomi push. And even when she came back and had this feud with Sonya Deville, I think those part of us that all want to see that, like, Naomi push. And I feel like she just never really got that credit that she deserves. Did she gain some accolades? 110%. Did she have moments in the Rumbles? 110%. Did she have some... Like, I think her feud with Sonya, outside of when she was the champion, was her only real, like, non-title serious singles feud. Am I wrong? Can someone correct me about that? I don't know. Like, she even had a cool moment this year where she got to team with Ronda against Charlotte and Sonya. Like, she got to do some cool shit. So I I know me saying she's underappreciated could be a personal opinion that a lot of people don't agree with. But, like, I just always felt like she was. Because she's been there a lot longer on that main roster since, like, 2012 when she started as a Funkadactyl. And in the early game show version of NXT with AJ Lee, like, she's been there. And um, I just always thought she would uh, achieve a lot more. Um, I always dug the stuff they did when they put her with people. Um, You know, when she was with Carmella for a bit, when they were introducing the tag titles, obviously Team Bad. Uh, And then most recently, when her and Sasha finally reunited and won the women's tag team titles, I was like, oh, this is it. Naomi's going to get the spotlight with Sasha. They're going to do some great stuff for the women's tag team division, and then obviously what happened happened when they walked out and everything. But um, I always feel like uh, Naomi's underappreciated. That's just my opinion. But Sasha's fucking the GOAT, who was just immensely mistreated in my mind over the years. Just immensely mistreated. And as much as I'm happy to see Bailey back with Dakota and EO Sky, and we're going to talk all about that, like, Sasha Banks... Should there's no reason in my mind that Sasha Banks shouldn't be a 10 time or more women's champion by this fucking point. There were moments where she should have been the winner of the match, in my humble opinion, that she didn't win. I still think WrestleMania 32 should have been Sasha Banks's moment. The Eddie Guerrero inspired gear, the confetti coming out with Snoop Dogg. The hitting the frog splash for the first time. And listen, you guys know I love Charlotte Flair. I'm a huge Charlotte Flair fan. We'll talk about Charlotte in a bit too. But like, I just always felt like Sasha would always, you know, take one for the team and will pay you back later and then still always get screwed over. I thought she should have won a Hell in the Cell, the first ever Hell in the Cell. <coughs> I know. Sorry, guys. I am on an all nighter and I have a cough now. I'm going to crack open something to drink so I don't keep coughing. But. But I've always felt like Sasha was a little mistreated. Um, I could spend this whole episode talking about how I felt Sasha Banks was mistreated in a lot of ways. Yes, she had a lot of great achievements as well. She is like a 
if I'm correct, like a seven-time women's champion. Uh, she main evented a WrestleMania with Bianca Belair. Uh, she finally got a WrestleMania win this year when she won the tag team titles with Naomi. Um, I just always felt there was that once Bailey got called up, there's this weird phase where like she was Bailey's friend and they were pushing Bailey and there was a couple years where she was just teaming with Bailey and there wasn't even tag titles at that point and that's why they were fighting for them and they finally got them and then they dropped them so quickly and she took some time off. Um, backlash and her personal feelings about hurting Paige and her mental health issues where she felt like she achieved almost everything she wanted to achieve up to that point and was confused about who Mercedes was and who Sasha Banks was and she got lost in it all and she took time off and she came back and she was killing it. Then I thought she should have beat Becky, but that didn't happen. Then I realized it was going to be a draft and that kind of made sense, but it still pissed me off. And then she was back with Bailey again eventually and I was kind of annoyed again. I'm like, why is she back with Bailey? But then they had a great run in 2020 where they held all the belts and I think I preferred them both as heels together than baby faces. And then finally we had the Bailey sasha feud and she finally won the belt back. And then she lost it to Bianca at WrestleMania, which is totally cool. I wanted her to retain and maybe lose to Bianca at SummerSlam, but I get it. Bianca's a new hot thing. And um... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sasha kept taking time off and coming back and taking time off and coming back. She missed SummerSlam, and I think the way things were panning out, it almost looked like it was going to be like Sasha and Charlotte heading into WrestleMania. They teased it like four times. At the end of 2021 uh, and like going into 2022. And, you know, you had this idea that maybe Sasha was going to win the Royal Rumble finally and face Charlotte in Dallas at WrestleMania this year. A throwback to WrestleMania 32 where they first met each other in the triple threat. Uh, when those women all, you know, Becky, Charlotte, and Sasha got to be on their first WrestleMania in action. Um, it was in the same stadium. They were going to right or wrong and let Sasha finally win the belt in Dallas at AT&T Stadium against Charlotte Flair. Full circle moment. And then Ronda came back. And it's almost as if they promised her, listen, like Ronda's back. We're going to put Ronda and Charlotte against each other. We'll let you win the tag belts at WrestleMania. And we'll let you and Naomi really make something of this women's tag division. Well, that was not the case. They walked out. And I just feel if you really look at the whole story, like, yes, Sasha is a star, is one of the greatest women's wrestlers that WWE's produced in the last 10 years. Um, mainstream, larger than life, is able to charge 30 grand for an appearance because with her own charisma and talent and WWE's machine, they created a star out of Sasha Banks. She's on The Mandalorian. Um, so it's just, overall, it's success. But also, if you really look at it, it's kind of disappointing the way Sasha kind of got booked. And it's like, you know, didn't matter how popular Charlotte was. We had the rise of Becky Lynch. Bianca's a top star now. The Alexa popped off. They gave Carmella a really sick run. They're doing something with Liv right now. But among all these, all of this, like Sasha always felt like a star. Even when they first brought them up, 
with Team Bad, PCB, Team Bella. Like, Charlotte was still kind of finding herself before she won that belt from Nikki Bella. You know, Becky didn't find herself till like 2018. Sasha Banks walked onto this main roster like a fucking star. And don't get me wrong, Charlotte's a fucking star now. And has been for a while. Is, is a Hall of Famer of Charlotte Retired is already a Hall of Famer. Same with Becky Lynch. She found herself and she's quite frankly probably the most over woman in the WWE right now. More than Bianca, more than Liv. Than like Becky Lynch is just consistently fucking over. But Sasha Banks has been a star from the moment she stepped on the main roster. She had it. People were cheering for her. I remember when she returned, I think it was like Royal Rumble 2016 when she came back after like a match between like, I think it was Becky and Charlotte or something like that. And like fans were already all behind. They, they couldn't keep her heel because everybody wanted to cheer her. Little girls wanted to be her. She had the colorful hair. She had the swagger. She had the rings and the jewelry and the glasses and the song. Like Sasha Banks is a fucking star. That being said, those fucking pictures from C2E2 were fucking hilarious. What the fuck, dude? Day one, Saturday CT, C2E2 pictures with Sasha Banks, where fans had to stand like three meters away from her. Oh my fucking god. If I spent $130 to meet Sasha Banks and she told me to stand two meters away from her, I wouldn't even post that picture. It's fucking embarrassing. I love you, Mercedes. I know I don't know. I don't know if you like me. I don't know if you know I exist or you just think I'm like some mark on the internet. And I pissed you off sometime down the road, but I want you to know that I fucking love you unconditionally. But I would be so embarrassed if I came to meet you, spent 130 bucks, and had to stand two meters away from me. And listen, I've seen the creepy meet and greet pictures, the 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 marks wanting to do like the prom pose with Alexa Bliss and Becky and them looking uncomfortable or. You know, I remember people came at me because I took a picture with Barbie Blank, a.k.a. Kelly Kelly, and I had, I think, my hand on her waist or something. And people were like, oh, you creep, you're touching her, like, she looks so uncomfortable, yada, 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 without knowing that we're actually friends and really cool with each other to the extent, like, when she sees me, she's like, oh, my God, Justin, oh, my God, it's you, like, so nice to see you again. Like, we had a thing where, like, we'd always see each other and take a picture together and, and, um... You know, I've never paid to take a picture with Barbie Blank, ever. I've uh, bought a shirt out of, like, support or, like, done, like, here, you know what? Like, you told me not to pay, but here's $30 anyways or something. But, like, I've never, like, been asked to pay to take a picture with Barbie because we're cool with each other. And the fans came at me because my hand was on her waist. And then I had to, like, show them, like, the live photo little video thing of, like, look, like, She's cool. Everything was fine. Like, we fucking know each other. Same with Danielle. I've partied with these girls. I know them. They're fucking dope. I love them. Shout out to Summer Rae. Shout out to Kelly. Shout out to all the girls that support the page. Natty, Charlotte, Carmella, Zelina. Like, a lot of these girls support the page. They know me. They're comfortable with me. But I do understand that some fans get a little too close and a little bit too comfortable. I'm not saying you need to put your arm around them or people should have been allowed to put their arm around Sasha and give her a hug or a side hug or put their hand on her waist or shoulder or anything. But I'm like, at least be able to stand next to her. Like, maybe like 10 centimeters apart or something. I don't fucking know measurements like that. But like, the fact that people were standing like two meters away, and that might be an over-exaggeration. It's probably like 
a meter and a half, but like it was fucking hilarious. Like go look for those pictures. And then all the memes people made of people like um standing like they stretched the picture, made them stand like five meters away, or like the Tony Khan hugging Sasha one. It was just I don't know if she was practicing social distancing. Trish Stratus was there, uh Lita was there, uh Naomi was there, like I mentioned, and they all had fans close to them taking pictures, uh shoulder to shoulder, a couple of centimeters apart. Totally cool, doing poses, whatnot. You know, like they're doing the Trish Stratus pointing pose or whatever. But the Sasha pictures were hilarious on day one. I think on day two, she kind of lightened up and she let people come closer. She probably read all the backlash online. Like, why the fuck would I spend 130 bucks just down? Like, and I get it. Like, during 2020, that was a thing. Like, if you look at like some of the other people that were at CTV2, they had the same rules where people had to stand far away from them. Maybe it was COVID concerns or. <coughs> I've never seen a Cena thing where you had, like, the glass wall between them. But just, like, go online, search Sasha Banks on Twitter, and, like, it's, it's just, it's funny. And I get it, but I'm I'm happy that on the second day she kind of let people come closer and, like, she kind of pointed at them or did her thing. But the pictures on the first date were fucking hilarious. I would not, I would, like, I probably would pay the $130 to meet her and take a picture thinking that I'd be able to take a proper picture, but I would be fucking so disappointed if I did and then I had to stand, like, a meter away from her. I'm like, we didn't even meet each other like that properly. That's so weird. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure Sasha's a sweetheart. I've never actually got to meet her. I never actually got to talk to her like that before. She's a, you know, Seamus gave her a wrestling class shirt. She wrapped it. Um, she used to really be uh, nice to the page with likes and comments and stuff. That kind of stopped at one point. I think I pissed her off somewhere along the way. Might have been the whole Salsa Banks thing. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a loyal fan, unconditional. She's my favorite women's wrestler. Hands fucking down. Sasha Banks is my favorite women's wrestler of all time. Lita, Trish, China, Charlotte, you name them. Sasha Banks is my number one. Um, and I, I would, I'd love to meet her one day. I'd love to meet her. Speaking of uh, cool women's wrestlers, shout out to Paige. Shout out to my boy Meech. Guys, that whole uh, thing I'm doing with Brian Danielson that was supposed to be on August 23rd, I believe it's rescheduled. I'm going to talk about that next week because the news hasn't officially dropped and I'm kind of leaking it right now. But uh, that has been postponed. I will keep you posted. But uh, it just I was about to talk about Meech and Meech is Brian's manager, but he's also Paige's manager. Shout out to Paige. She gave the Paige a shout out. She gave me a shout out. Thanks to Meech. Because um, I wasn't able to go to Nashville. I was very jealous of all the people in Nashville for SummerSlam weekend. I was not able to be there. And he got me a shout out from Paige. And I thought that was super cool. Um, thank you, Paige. I hope to have you on the show sometime soon. Get you on the uh, the casual conversations with the classic. And uh, we'll, do the, we'll do the thing, man. I, I think it's cool. She's a free agent now. She's got a podcast and ad-free shows. She did some stuff at StarCast, and uh, she was on the Bellas podcast. She did the thing with Renee. Obviously, these are her friends, so eventually when she starts doing more, I can get her. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Outside of that, um, quick plug for Maestro Classic, guys. Maestro Classic is the best in beard care and undeniably good at keeping your beard cleaned and conditioned sulfate free beer wash to clean the beard without drying your skin beard butter to condition it and beard oil to help it shine their products are available on maestroclassic.com and at all your target locations in the beard care aisle maestro classic is the top brand in the beard care game and their dedicated team is on the road with the wwe the 76ers and nascar 
Guys, if you go to maestroclassic.com and use the promo code TWC Maestro to save yourself 25% on your online purchases. But hold up. Like I mentioned, you can get it at Target. You can get it at the local HEB if you are in Texas. If you are in Canada, you can get it on Amazon in Canada now. And get a load of this. You can also get it on Amazon in America. You can get it on eBay. And I also want to mention... For those of you that aren't aware, they also provide products for your hair now. There's now hair products, gel, pomade, hair cream. Listen, guys, you know, if you've followed me on Instagram, whether it's on the Wrestling Classic or on Justin Dillon, my personal page, that over the pandemic, I grew out my hair. It's very long. It gets curly at the bottom, kind of like a cool, sophisticated look for me. But I would not be able to manage it if it wasn't for Maestro Classics hair care products. Listen, my hair is crazy. It gets super curly at the bottom. Um, and it gets really wild. But when I have to style it, like to go to weddings or if I'm going to go on a date or I'm going to see like, you know, some sort of event that I need to go to and I actually want to do my hair, nothing works better than um, either using the hair gel or the hair pomade and then finishing it off with the hair cream. It just it keeps my hair in place. I can slick it back. It looks nice. It's it's legit, guys. So, of course, Meister Classics known for its beard, beard care products, but be sure to check out their hair care products as well. Like I said, guys, you can get it from MaestroClassic.com using the promo code TWC Maestro. Save yourself 25%. Or you can get it at your local Target, HGB, eBay, Amazon in America, and now available on Amazon.ca. Guys, Maestro Classic, check them out. Great people. Um, we're going to talk about SummerSlam. We're going to talk about AEW. But I guess because we're so behind, we need to talk about... Ooh, one more walk down that aisle. The Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Woo! Diamonds are forever. And so was the Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Rick Flair's last match... Took place on Sunday last week. We didn't talk about it yet. Uh, uh, the show was good. If you like professional wrestling, it was a really good professional wrestling show. They had a lot of good matches on there. Um, we saw Killer Cross and Harry Smith. That was probably like the least exciting match on their card. But outside of that, <coughs> no disrespect to Harry and Killer Cross. It just it felt like they were holding back or something. Why do I have so many text messages? But um. I uh, let's go look at the card really quickly so I remember because I do think that they did a really good dude. I watched the Ric Flair roast before the Starcast show as well. It was really well done. Um, it was funny. It was a funny roast roast episode. Uh, you know they had a they had a bunch of names on their disc. It was very uh, okay. I I take that back. It was very um. Uh, it was hot and cold. The roast was like good at some points. At some points, you're like, "Damn, this is bad," but if it, it was a spectacle for sure, like you should go watch the Ric Flair roast uh, wherever you can probably watch it on ad free shows, the Starcast website, Fight TV. I don't know, but go check it out because it was interesting. But let's talk about Ric Flair's last match. Um, they had special appearances from Jerry the King Lawler, the Undertaker, Bret Hart, Mick Foley, many others were in the crowd. Kid Rock. Uh, they had Mance Warner winning the uh, Bunkhouse Battle Royal. This is where GCW invaded the show. Uh, I was on the pre-show, and Mance Warner went on to face John Moxley at Rampage for an AEW World Title Eliminator match, which I think means if you beat him, you get a World Title shot. I don't fucking know. 
Um, there was a dude that put out a video. Let's talk about that for a second. There's some dude. I'm not going to look him up right now. You guys probably seen the video. Check out Bearing Smarks pages if you follow him. He posted it. But there was a guy that posted a video talking about how he finds it ridiculous that WWE or AEW, my bad, AEW promotes a match like, oh, it's Matt Warner versus John Moxley and Rampage this weekend. And like all the marks get super hyped. Like, and I know who Matt Warner is because I'm a mark. I'm a wrestling fan. So I know. But I've said this many times on this show where I say AEW books matches. Tony Khan books matches with popular independent stars against his talent on AEW television or popular New Japan stars with his talent on AEW television. And yes, the wrestling fans get excited because they know who it is. But to the casual fan or the fan that just watches AEW every week and doesn't watch all the independent stuff or doesn't watch New Japan, they don't know who the fuck these people are. And AEW never really does a good job of like... It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Giving you like a video package or a vignette or them coming on the show prior to the match to introduce themselves as some sort of backstory and they just expect you to be excited for the match and then you know tony gets all hyped like oh my god this is gonna be insane people are gonna love it and then the ratings don't change and i don't know if they care or they don't care but like there's a reason it's not fucking changing because nobody knows who the fuck mance warner is if they're not a wrestling fan i mean like a hardcore wrestling fan they tune to AEW every week because they like your product and then, like, you introduce someone like Mance Warner and you just expect them to know or do the extra effort and go Google the person to figure out who they are. They just might not because they don't, let's, you know, they like wrestling, but it's not their main priority. It's a pastime. And now you're just, like, bringing people on there that they don't even fucking know and you think everyone's excited, but, like, out of the 100% of fans that are watching, like, Oni... 70% know who he is and that's a good percentage but like you want 100% to be on board and then your ratings will be higher people else people that don't watch everything else can get excited and I think that guy that made that video wasn't wrong and I think it was constructive criticism um maybe I'm saying that because I say the same stuff on that sh- this show every week but um people started coming out this guy like why'd you even make that video like if you don't know then who cares? But we knew and we're excited. Maybe you should Google him and shit. Why? Why is AEW giving us homework? Listen, you can love AEW and shit on WWE as much as you want, but outside of celebrities coming in every once in a while, like a Logan Paul or a Bad Bunny, if you don't know who that is, when does WWE really give you homework? AEW, I feel like you're always getting homework. Oh, what are we doing Forbidden Door? I mean, like, and I've told this story on this show where, like, we're watching AEW, Tanahashi walks out, I'm a big wrestling fan, I'm like, fuck yeah, Tanahashi, and my buddy who watches WWE and AEW every week is like, who the fuck is that, and he's a wrestling fan, and I would consider him a pretty hardcore wrestling fan, he orders all the pay-per-views, who the fuck is that? But Tony and AEW don't see it that way, and I just think it's such a little thing they could do to like increase 
you know, their audience's knowledge to give us a video package or a promo or something. I don't know. But I wasn't wrong. That being said, Ric Flair's last match. Uh, the Motor City Machine Guns against the Wolves was dope. Uh, Jonathan Gresham defeated Alan Angels, Takashita, and Nick Wayne. It was a fun match as well. Uh, you know, we had Angry Gresham a couple weeks ago, but he showed up here and he seemed in good spirits. Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson defeated Ricky Morton and his son, Kerry Morton. Another solid, quick match. A lot of these matches were not that long. They were like five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes. Nothing really went too long besides the main event. Um, Ray Phoenix, Bandito, Laredo Kid, and Black Tarus tore the fucking house down with some lucha door wrestling. It was fucking really fun. A lot of cool spots. Kind of, it was a good, like, it was a good buffet of wrestling on this show. Uh, Josh Alexander and um, Jacob Fatu ended in a no contest when we had a run in from Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, and the the Major Brothers. Um, that was super cool. The Briscoes had a solid match with the Von Erichs. It was a solid tag team wrestling. It was a solid tag team wrestling match. Um, always hyped to see the Briscoes. Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo, and Rachel Elring had a solid match as well. Early on, it seemed like Rachel Elring injured herself, which was kind of scary, but. As the match progressed and went on, she uh, got back into it and everything seemed to be okay. There was also then the main event. Ric Flair and Andrade El Idolo versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Shout out to the other three guys in this match. Andrade, Jeff Jarrett, and Jay Lethal. How much heat does Jeff Jarrett still get? Like, that man was, like, the top heel of the fucking show. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Like, that dude came out there and people immediately fucking hated him. He came out there with Karen Jarrett, who's also a great fucking heel. And everyone just fucking hated him. I fucking loved it. I literally fucking loved it. I thought it was fucking amazing. How much heat Jeff Jarrett still gets. I love the theme song he used at Ric Flair's last match. I wish he was able to use that TNA theme song in WWE. Even though his WWE 90s theme song that... Gets stuck in my head sometimes. It's kind of weird for him to walk out to and... 2022 i'm like wow you could even use with my baby tonight for this theme song but anyways that all aside love jeff jared's theme song he really you know he he got the heat that they needed for their team he was just he's such a good i remember thinking that jeff jared fucking sucked so much my entire childhood i'm like this guy's so annoying i hated jeff jared he come out i'm like it was only, i, I want to say it was like get off my tv heat but now i just realized he was a really good fucking heel he was so easy to dislike that he made such a great heel, and, and he brought that Jeff Jarrett out at Ric Flair's last match. Uh, Jay Lethal was fucking tremendous. Uh, Andrade fucking... <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't get the hype with Andrade, and I'm being completely transparent. Like I'm like, I know he's really good in the ring, and I don't get it. You know, WWE didn't book him properly. AEW technically hasn't really booked him properly. And then you see him in a position like this, where he's in the main event, he's teaming with Ric Flair, he's working with Jared and Lethal, and he's, you know, very pivotal about, a very pivotal piece of this match working properly. And um, you see how skilled he is and how valuable of an asset he could be and what a leader he could be if he was given the opportunity to be a leader and booked in that position. I don't watch AAA, I, I don't watch a lot of the Mexican promotions, but I'm sure that Andrade's probably a top star in those promotions, and I can see it. He he felt like a top star in NXT for a bit, and it worked. Then never felt that way on the main roster in WWE, and AEW keeps signing so many people, it's never really fully felt that way in AEW. But I can definitely see Andrade as a top guy in a company, and a leader 
and a top heel or a top baby face. And he's good. He looks good. He can go. He He's talented. He's charismatic in his own way. And I thought this match really showed it. Um, that being said, this match was really hard to fucking watch. It was really hard to watch Rick. Um, it started off, you know, fun. And he did his thing. You can tell he's visibly older. He bled. But there was a point where, like, I remember... I was watching with my cousin. I stayed at his house a day longer after SummerSlam to watch Ric Flair's last match. And <coughs> I'm like, is Ric Flair going to take the hot tag? And he did. And he could barely lift himself off the mat to get in the ring. I think he slid under the rope. And I'm like, oh, man, he does not look good. I don't think he got to his feet till after the match ended. Like, there was a scene where Andrade was giving him, like, the brass knucks. And his hand was, like, shaking. And I actually thought this man was dying in the ring. Like, I'm like... Oh no, this is fuck. Like, he shouldn't be doing this. He's gonna have a heart attack. Um, but he remained good and he uh made it to the end of the match. He got the figure four on uh Jarrett. They did the three count, um, and they celebrated. Confetti fell. There's a lot of shout out to Danielle, aka DTF Mania. She got a bunch of cool pictures from the show. Shout out to Meech and Nikki Bougie of uh, well, Meech, who was. The manager of Danielson and Paige and others and Nikki Bougie of Women's Wrestling Talk to send me a bunch of videos and cool content live from the show that I got to post. But um, will I ever watch Ric Flair's last match again? Maybe, but I think more because I enjoy not because I, I don't I don't want to call it bad wrestling because it wasn't necessarily bad wrestling. But I love clusterfucks and this was definitely some sort of a clusterfuck. It was fucked up. It was hard to watch Rick. It started off with nostalgia and fun, and at some point it was just like, get this poor man out of the ring, please. Um, he cut a promo after. He went to the ringside. He talked to Brett and, and Taker and Foley. Uh, he shouted out Kid Rock, this uh, plethora of celebrities and popular names backstage. I love the whole Jim Crockett promotion presentation. Shivani and David Crockett on commentary. Like For the most part, it was really fucking dope. Um if you didn't watch it, I feel like everybody should probably watch Ric Flair's last match at least once. And if you never want to watch it again, I don't blame you, but I feel like you should just watch it once. And I'm someone that enjoys like just really fucked up wrestling that isn't good sometimes. And not that like Andrade, Jarrett, Lethal really held this match together. Um, there was some really good wrestling between those three guys. Flair did flair. Flair was flair. Um, he came out with the big gold belt. He had the grand entrance, but man, he just he's old. And I'm glad this is his last match ever. Um, I'm glad it was a tag match. Cause then I can still mentally lie to myself and say his last match ever was last match last singles match ever was with Shawn Michaels, even though it wasn't, and uh this will be his last tag match ever. But yeah. That is that. Let's talk about a SummerSlam. I don't know if we're going to be able to talk about Kurt Angle's A&E documentary today. I don't think we're going to be able to talk much about AEW. Uh, that being said, uh, I do want to say huge congratulations to uh, Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti, who got married this past weekend. Uh, shout out to Sammy for being a, a big supporter of the page and always showing love. Shout out to Tay Conti as well. She's up the TFC merch with Sammy. Uh, super cool chick. Um, and they got married this past weekend. And that's... I don't know what else I can really say about it, but it's, it's super cool, and I'm super happy for them. And uh, let's talk about SummerSlam. Let's talk about SummerSlam. Let's talk about the the biggest party of the summer and then how the fallout has been. 
the Triple H era is in full effect. I said I feel like the Triple H era will really kick off after SummerSlam, but I feel like it kicked off at SummerSlam. Um, like, I don't... Can we just talk about, like... I'm going to skip ahead really quickly. Dakota Kai is fucking back, by the way, guys. Dakota Kai is back. Ciampa's the number one contender for United States Championship tonight. And Killer Cross made his return on SmackDown, attacking Drew McIntyre, who was in line to face Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle at the beginning of September. And he attacked Drew McIntyre, and Scarlett was with him, and they made it clear that the time is TikToking for Roman Reigns until Cross goes after him. This all has Triple H run all over him, and it's gotten people excited to see who else Triple H might bring back. Well, Triple H... Now being in charge with Stephanie, there being no Vince McMahon no more, no John Laurinaitis. Will we get Sasha and Naomi back? Will we get The Fiend or some incarnation of Bray Wyatt back? Will we get some shit that we lost? Will more superstars be returning? I know guys like Malachi Black and Keith Lee and others are probably signed to long-term deals with uh, AEW. So, you know, if they were free agents, maybe we'd get to see them back. But there's still a lot of people that didn't sign anywhere that could potentially come back under Triple H. And it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, Gargano, uh, Roddy, like there's a lot of names of people that were let go that could pretend Matt Cardona. I don't fucking know. It's wild. It's really fucking wild to see. Um, maybe my boy AJ Francis or EJ Naduka like there's a lot of talent out there and it's been said that Triple H is still looking to beef up the talent but I know I'm skipping a little ahead but I just think like would think of that like Killer Cross and Scarlett are back Karrion Cross my bad um Dakota Kai is back I like popped at SummerSlam so we kicked off SummerSlam with Becky Lynch versus Bianca another solid match they had a great match I have nothing bad to say about it um, it looked like more of a struggle than the crisp match they had at WrestleMania, but I think that's because now it was a competitive match between, it was a struggle, but like in the right way, like they were struggling, but it was part of the story that they were struggling to try to one up each other. And the things that look sloppy, look sloppy because they were trying to outdo each other, if that makes sense, rather than like sloppy because it was just necessarily sloppy. Um, it was a solid match. We saw the baby face turn of Becky Lynch at the end. She shook hands with Bianca Belair, gave her a hug, full circle. Becky returned last year, big time Bex, beat Bianca in like 34 seconds or whatever it was. Rematch to SummerSlam the following year. Bianca beats Becky, coming into the match more prepared and having more of a history with Becky now. Um, Becky turns a corner, shows that she finally has respect for Bianca, gives her a hug. Becky got hurt in the match, pulled her shoulder. The man is back, as we found out the next night on Raw, but is also going to be taking some time off. So they've now paired Bianca at the moment with Alexa Bliss and Asuka to beef with Bailey, Dakota, and Io Sky. That being said, I should probably rewind and say, after the match, when Bianca's in the ring herself, Bailey's music hit. Bailey walked out. Pretty exciting. I'm like, welcome back, Bailey. That's cool. If you guys listen to the show, you guys know I have like a love-hate relationship with Bailey. I think she's a tremendous wrestler, but because of the Sasha shit, I always have this kind of like, taste about Bailey in my mouth. 
But then Dakota Kai's music hit, and I fucking popped. I was so happy that King Koda was back. I've been a Dakota, uh, Dakota Kai fan for years now. I felt like she's one of the best NXT women to never have won the NXT Women's Championship. She's on that list with Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, the women that were on NXT that were top tier that never won that world title. Um, Dakota's on that list. And when they let Dakota go, I remember being so shocked because... Dakota's unique. She's different. She can go in the fucking ring. And as much as, like, everything's against her in terms of, like, maybe her look and her size and her presentation, she overcomes them and she stands out and she's unique. And she grew into this character and persona and this look that is just really appealing. And she can fucking wrestle, circle around a lot of women that are on that main roster. No disrespect to them. So I'm happy Dakota's back. And then Io Shirai came out too. And I'm not saying I don't like Io Shirai. I'm just indifferent about her. But I was also happy to see her make her main roster debut. Because I don't think there was really... I don't think she really fit the NXT 2.0 mold anymore. It's cool to see the three of them together. We got another faction of women on the main roster now. I don't think we've had something like this since maybe... The Absolution Ride Squad era, but um, super cool to see this, uh, and I was hyped. Um, then we had Logan Paul versus The Miz. How good is fucking Logan Paul? If you were questioning Logan Paul or you were just hating him because he's that kid from TikTok and YouTube, YouTube mainly, and the influencer world, and you're like, fuck this Logan Paul guy. He looks like he fits in. He definitely fits in. And he's a better performer in a short period of time than a lot of people that have been around in a while in the independence. I said it. I don't fucking care. Logan Paul is fucking gold. He's f- like he has. He looks like a professional wrestler. Just his size, his his presentation. Uh, he just fits right in. And props to the Miz. Uh, Champa was involved in this. They had AJ Styles come out for a pop to fight off Champa. Maurice was out there looking like a complete smoke show as she always does. Um, but props to the Miz working with Logan. Uh, you know, Miz can take these L's and it doesn't hurt him because he's the fucking Miz. He's been around forever. He's established, um, and he's not like established in a way where he loses all the time. And like, so when he loses, it just seems like he's this guy that loses. Like he's a former two-time WWE champion, a multiple-time intercontinental. Like he's established. Like he's like in that position that guys like Seth and Randy Orton and others are in. Where when they lose, it doesn't really fucking hurt them because their stars are ready. Um, but Logan Paul's a fucking star, and I'm gonna say this right now. It might not be the most popular opinion, but I can see Logan Paul being the WWE champion or the Universal champion by 2025. I, I don't doubt it. Kevin Owens wasn't on this show, I want to point out. But I want to point out with Triple H back in charge, I feel like we're going to get a Kevin Owens push. I feel like Kevin Owens is going to... We're going to see some good Kevin Owens shit. Um, Bobby Lashley defeated Theory by submission in a quick match at SummerSlam for the United States Championship when Lashley was making his entrance and he was on the rampway and they had him posing. I thought that was like the CGI little stuff, but it wasn't. It was actually him and that was really fucking trippy. But Lashley will be returning. I mean, Lashley retained his title against Theory. I don't know why I said returning. Um, My condolences goes out to Austin Theory. I believe his uncle passed away, the uncle that got him into wrestling. He took some time off this past week uh, because of that. And I just want to send out my condolences, my good vibes. 
Theory's been killing it. Everyone fucking hates him. I love it. Uh, the Mysterios defeated the Judgment Day by pinfall. Um, solid match. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the actual substance of this match. It was a solid tag team wrestling match. I wasn't that invested in it. Edge came back. I don't feel like he's been gone long enough for me to be like, oh my god, Edge is back. I know they had the vignettes going on for a month or so, but um, it was just kind of cool. I don't know. I just Edge is cool. I just I'm telling you, I for me personally, the whole Edge run post WrestleMania 35, six or seven, whatever, 37. The triple threat with Roman and Brian post that like I don't know the Edge run hasn't been doing it for me. I feel like he's uh, changed his gimmick like four times just this year, but uh, it was cool. It was good stuff. Uh, I hope to see more from Finn and Damian, and um, I still want to see Dominic turn his dad. It hasn't happened yet, but uh, maybe I'm a dick. I don't know. Uh, Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin, another Pat McAfee. Match that was solid, like Pat, like you had two celebrity matches in a sense here with Logan Paul and Pat McAfee, and they both are just really fucking good. Like they're naturals at this. Guys like Logan Paul, Pat McAfee, and Bad Bunny have really set the bar of like if you're a celebrity and you want to get involved. I'm gonna throw Stephen Amell in that too. Stephen Amell, Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, Logan Paul. These guys set the bar of like if you want to get involved with wrestling and you're a celebrity, like. And you really want to get like have a match? You don't want to do like a segment or a spot or something like. You, this is the bar now. Pat McAfee, Logan Paul, Stephen Amell, and Bad Bunny have like set the fucking bar. Um, solid match again. Like once again, Pat McAfee picked up the victory. Happy moment. I missed his uh, theme song that he had at WrestleMania, the Seven Nation Army, but I guess it might be too expensive to license out. I don't fucking know. But solid match. The Usos versus Street Profits with Jeff Jarrett as a special guest referee. The Usos retained. Solid tag match. Exactly what you expect between these two teams. Um, there seemed to be a sense of frustration with Montez Ford after. Once in, kind of teasing, like, potentially maybe this team might split. Uh, the following night, we saw Montez get a match with Seth. Solid match. Um... But that being said, the Usos retained, and it was cool to see Jeff Jarrett in Nashville. Nothing wrong with that at all. Liv Morgan defeated Ronda Rousey by pinfall. I repeat, Liv Morgan defeated Ronda Rousey. Not once now, but twice. I think the only people that have defeated Ronda Rousey are Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, and I don't think any of them have done it twice. So, uh, what the fuck? And then Liv Morgan still appeared on SmackDown this Friday and got booed by fans because technically... When she got the pinfall, she also tapped at the same time. And the fans are now turning on her because she tapped out. I love the idea of Liv Morgan sneaking away with victories every week. And, like, her fans that love her continuing to support her. But those other fans that think she's not deserving of that title or overrated or not championship material kind of being like, what the fuck? I love it. I love the dynamic. It's hard to keep it going like it's either you're worried that everyone's going to turn on her or everyone will stay with her but wrestling fans are fickle and that's why that's a that's a concern but if they could play that where Liv plays up to her fans that love her that I'm still your champion I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep this and they love her for that while the other fans are like she's a cheater and she barely wins the fucking matches like she needs to be like the sneaky like Roadrunner of fucking WWE. I don't know. Some people don't like that idea. I think it's fucking great. She beat Ronda Rousey. Um, and that's fucking huge. I didn't really want to see Ronda win the belt back. I felt like her last reign was kind of forgettable in her. I love Ronda. I think Ronda's a dope 
name, a popular name. I understand her mainstream appeal. I think that her first run in the company, she was really with it and she loved it and she was happy to be there. And it seemed like she was trying really hard. Well, this time around, it kind of feels like she's just there. And maybe it's a little bit of sour grapes because Sasha walked out. And I feel like she took Sasha's spot. And then, you know, Charlotte's gone and Sasha's gone. And it was almost kind of forgettable that Ronda was champion at times. Um, maybe that's not her fault. Maybe it's a creative. But at least with Liv as champion, I don't sit there and be like, oh, who's the SmackDown woman? Like, I know Liv's a champion because it's, it's this weird new thing that we're doing. Um, that fans wanted for years and it's like this experiment and I'm enjoying every second of it so shout out to Liv Morgan and I don't think Ronda necessarily needs to be gone or shouldn't get like another title shot or something but I feel like they need to get Ronda in a feud to ignite her passion again and I don't know exactly what maybe Liv's next opponent is Shayna Baszler and I don't know how Liv's gonna get through Shayna Baszler but maybe give Shayna and Ronda like a meaningful feud against each other since they're friends in real life and they'd probably love working an angle together and make it mean something. And maybe that would ignite Rhonda's passion to work with her own friend and, like, do something cool outside of the title picture while Liv, like, I don't know, faces Raquel or sneaks away with the title again. Maybe they bring someone else back um, from Liv's past. I don't know. Um, the main event, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, the final chapter, the last man standing match. Yo, like, if this is a sign of the new era, I fuck with it. I loved every fucking second of the Like, I, what did I say about the Ric Flair's last match? I love fucking clusterfuck, chaotic, fucking crazy bullshit. I love matches that are just fucking train wrecks sometimes. I think that's the perfect way to say it. I love matches that are fucking train wrecks. And this was a fucking train wreck. And I fucking loved it. The moment this man came down on a tractor like a jut, for my Punjabi listeners out there, I was like... Oh my god, this is going to be fucking chaotic. And not since the times we've seen Stone Cold or come out on Zambonis and beer trucks or Kurt Angle on milk trucks have we seen someone just drive down that aisle and just fuck shit up and create chaos like Brock Lesnar did um, that last Sunday. And I enjoyed every second of it. When he flipped the fucking ring, I did not see that fucking coming. Um, it was a spectacle. It was something to see. I've loved every fucking minute of this incarnation of Brock Lesnar, ponytail, car, cowboy Brock who's a baby face and just destroying things and happy to be there. Um, my cousin said to me before the match started, they're going to have to like dogpile Brock to beat him or something. And that's what they did. They stacked tables and chairs and ring steps on him to get the, the 10 count for Roman to retain both his belts. I personally had no doubt that Roman was retaining, but they kept us on the edge of our seats. I'm not going to lie with the, the tractor, the ring getting destroyed. Uh, Paul Heyman taking an F5, Austin Theory coming out there with uh, an attempted cash-in attempt but didn't actually cash in because he ate an F5 and the bell never rang. But, like, the whole thing, like, if you guys did not watch it, and especially if you're one of those, like, lapsed Attitude Era fans that don't watch no more but you love the chaos and, like, the, the fucking craziness of the attitude era with beer trucks and milk trucks and zambonis and cement trucks and trucks going into ambulances and shit like that like this was for you to be like oh what the fuck did you see what happened last night brock lesnar tore apart the fucking ring and flipped like i'm sure kids oh it's summertime i'm sure kids went played outside with their friends the next day <laughs> and they were talking about that like yo did you watch wwe yesterday and that one guy's like i don't watch wwe no more he's like yo brock lesnar fucking bought a track out there and flipped the ring and that friend was like oh Maybe I want to check that out. So, like, um, 
it was definitely one of those type of moments. And if this is Brock's last hurrah, and I feel like we say this every time we see Brock again, I will miss him. Um, I think he's very... There's been moments where he was champion that I wasn't a big fan of because I don't think he really ever needs the belt. But Brock as a attraction... Like, they could use Brock as an attraction for the next 10 years and it'll still fucking work. And if you're one of those people that haven't been to a live show that Brock's on but just watch him on TV and you're sick of him... Go to a live show that Brock's on. Go to a WrestleMania. Go to a SummerSlam or a SmackDown or Raw that Brock's on. And when you hear that at the beginning of his music, like it's a vibe, and you're you know you're about to see someone special, and that's that's Brock Lesnar. Um, there's a lot going on in Raw and SmackDown. We are definitely in the Triple H era. The shows have been featuring a lot more like wrestling. They're really wrestling heavy, which is very reminiscent to the Black and Gold era of NXT. So you can already feel. The triple, uh, the triple H uh, um, effect and influence on these shows. But we'll see how it goes. We're only one week in. I'm sure we'll uh, continue to uh, feel the Triple H influence and maybe have some more big returns. Uh, I, I did want to talk about AEW. Don't have time to talk about it right now. But, you know, the Undisputed Elite turned on the Young Bucks. That was a big deal. Uh Moxie keeps retaining the belts. He'll be facing Jericho. He's getting the Lionheart. Uh, the stuff's been happening. Stuff's definitely been happening. We're getting Andrade and Roosh against uh, the Lucha Brothers next week. That would be sick. Uh, Jungle Boy and his Christian as a pussy shirt was funny. That feud's heating up. Uh, things have been good. Things have been good on AEW. Black, uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter got a big victory over Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa this past week as well. They did Battle of the Belts. I didn't watch it yet, so I can't talk about it. But uh, Keith Lee and Swerve have been picking up big victories. Things have been good on AEW. We'll talk more about AEW next week. I'll dive in more about the A&E documentaries. Sorry for the wait. I appreciate you guys joining me today. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening to the solo show of the TWC show. I didn't have a co-host this week, this very last minute, but I love you. I'll talk to you guys all soon. I'll see you all next week. I'm going to go watch Monday Night Raw. Make sure you guys listen to the TOC show on Rock 7 New Radio. Join the Discord, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts, and keep doing the thing, and we'll see you all next time. Ooh, yeah, dig it, uh uh-huh. Whoa, 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 whoa. And also, before I forget, uh, I think Carmella might have gotten injured at a live show recently in a triple threat match with uh, Bianca Belair and I forget who else. Uh, sending well wishes and good energy to Leah. Big Carmella fan here. We love you. Hope you're doing well. And hope you get better soon. And you are back. Would have loved to see you in the tag team tournament. Just tuned in to Raw. I noticed you're not in it. We're Carmella fans here because Mella is money. And I just want to send out some positive vibes and good well wishes to Carmella before this is officially wrapped up and now we are out bye oh yeah